Good morning. My name is Ethel Webb, and I'm the women's fitness instructor here at our church. And I serve as a uh, shepherding deacon and an usher in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. O oh God, our true home, we come together to unite our stories with those of our spiritual ancestors. Some of us have come from desert places, desperate for nourishment. Some of us has, have come from places of abundant harvest and yet are not satisfied. You are among us all, a living God, present in ways we haven't realized yet. We come to learn, to let what we learn mold and change us, to find courage and energy to live by your direction. We bring our joyous worship, confident of your welcome to us. Amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you shall live. Let us worship God. How often have we turned our backs when we could embrace, remained silent when we could speak, spoke when we could have listened, closed the door when we should have flung it wide open, judged when we should have sought understanding, cling when we should have given. So let us offer to God what lies heavily on our hearts this day as we confess our sins together. Gracious God, help us to be honest with ourselves, with one another, and with you. We have searched for life 
amid temporary attractions. <clears throat> we have sought excitement in places that turned out to be desert wastelands. We have burdened others with our mistakes. <clears throat> we have sought honors and made comparisons to look better than those around us. We have devoted a little time to thanking and praising you, <clears throat> the source of all things. Open now to the word we need from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power in us. Christ prays for us. So anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are our end. Now that beautiful creed of the ages, the Apostles' Creed, let us share it together in faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to hell, the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to quit Jack and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment to share on this beautiful day with one another.
Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms this morning. We're glad you're with us on this gorgeous day. We're grateful to be living in Florida on a day like today, aren't we? It's so nice to be here. And, uh, and if you had any reason to get up early in the morning to come to church, Andrea was certainly the reason, wasn't she? Yes, so. What a... Yeah, glad you set your clocks back, didn't you, huh? Okay, that's, that's good. So we're, uh, we're grateful for the opportunity we had to be together as the people of faith and to know that God is with us. God had made his way to this place long before we came, and we're grateful that we can be in God's presence and wonder what God is calling us to do out in his good world. We hope that you'll fill out the friendship pads which are in the middle of the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. And we certainly encourage you to uh, try to find a new friend. And uh, no excuses today. It's a beautiful day, so join us underneath the tree for some more fellowship and a chance to sign up for some opportunities of ministry, including uh, we are taking names for our Salvation Army bell ringing uh, by the Red Pot. A lot of you have made this a part of your uh, Christmas tradition to uh, join us as we uh, sit out in front of Publix and um, ring the bell to support our, our partner in the faith, the Salvation Army. So please sign up for that. You can also sign up underneath the tree for our uh, great class that's coming uh, uh, Wednesday night, the Exodus, uh, being led by Tremper Longman, professor at uh, Westmont College out in California. And uh, many of you have already signed up. We have over 100 folks who are coming, and we would love to have you there as well for some dinner and for some chance to hear from Tremper this coming Wednesday at 5.30. And then uh, follow, the following Wednesday on the 15th, we'll be gathering together as a congregation in the Rise Against Hunger. And this is, if you've never been to this event, this is an amazing event where we pack 10,000 meals uh, for people in the world who are in need of food. And it is, uh, you've never seen something so big happen so fast uh, in this evening. So you might want to join us for that. That's uh, a week from this Wednesday. Also, our Advent dinner is... Uh, fast approaching on the 12th of December. We gather together over in the Campus Center for uh, support of the Samaritan Counseling Center, a very important partner here for us at Church of the Palms. And uh, we'd love for you to sign up. You can buy a ticket, uh, just uh, go underneath the tree and you can find out more about that. $45 supports, not only gets you a wonderful meal, but it also supports a very, very important part of our church's mission here at uh, Church of the Palms. And uh, another, another uh, very important uh, mission partner is uh, not only the Salvation Army uh, Kettle, but also the Salvation Army Angel Tree. And uh, this uh, month we are taking focus, making our focus the uh, gratitude that we have as we head to Thanksgiving and as we prepare to celebrate that great holiday we're going to be taking a look at some of our own gratitude stories over each Sunday. And Ann Owens is here to share with us her own gratitude story, especially in light of the opportunity to support the Angel Tree with the Salvation Army. Good morning again. My name is Ann Owens, and I serve as a deacon and Stephen minister leader. But first, I'd like to share why my personal gratefulness calls me to help the children who have no voice and those senior citizens with voices diminished. I was born shortly before Pearl Harbor and grew up in a small city west of Milwaukee. <clears throat> we were like the rest of our neighbors with loved ones away in battle and recovering from the impact of the Great Depression. 
Of course, I have very little memory of the war and the fact we had very little money. We shared a modest two-bedroom or two-story Victorian duplex with our widowed grandma. There wasn't an automobile until I was nearly eight. We walked to school, to church. We rode the bus to visit relatives living in the country, and there was the electric trolley. We rode to the city. And yet we were rich in abundant ways. We were a family who anticipated and shared the holidays with great aunts and uncles and cousins, and memories warmly linger. The splendid Christmas tree dominated our small living room, glittering tinsel and colored ornaments and lights glowing in the semi-darkness. The tree quietly decorated while my younger sister, brother, and I slept upstairs. A ring of blue light circled around its base was a memory of my older brother who died before he was six. We spilled down the steps around dawn, knowing we were protected, cared for, loved, and we were safe. There was never a thought or fear about separation or shortages. There was a simple abundance in our home, special food dancing and singing to carols I played on the piano. In time, circumstance improved and we moved to a neighborhood of substance and grander gifts and teenager angst. But in those lean, formative years on Grand Avenue with Grandma nearby, I developed gratitude. Gratitude for my mentoring grandma, gratitude for my sacrificing parents, but fourth most to the God of grace and the Christ child they introduced me to. Again this holiday, we are called to assist the Salvation Army with their angel tree by adopting one of their special angels. Because of our previous generosity, we have an additional 25 children this year for a total of 125 and 25 seniors. The deacons are asking you to purchase a gift such as a toy or clothing outfit for a child or a requested item for one of the older citizens. Purchase the gift and label appropriately and return to the church office by Friday, December 1st. Next Sunday after the morning service, we will be outside under the tree in order to assist you with your selection and to answer questions. Thank you for your help. Together we can extend the joy of Christmas for less fortunate families, for it is in our giving we are but extending grace. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. I invite you to take out from your bulletin the insert titled Litany for the Saints. November the 1st is All Saints Day, and so it's on the first Sunday of each November that we pause to remember the saints who have been close to us, either as members of the church or visitors to our church or friends of yours that you thought to include in this list of people that are on the front and back sides of your insert. Many of those people you know, some of them are very dear to you, some are members of your family. And on All Saints Day, we take a moment to remember them and to rejoice that they have gone to their heavenly reward. So please join with me in our litany for the saints as we pray responsively. God of all ages, we praise you for all your servants who having lived this life in faith now live eternally with you. For disciples and martyrs and saints of every time and place. For those who have served bravely, witnessed faithfully, and whose light still shines in the world. For those who have known and loved 
who by their faithful obedience and strong hope have shown to us the mind of Christ. For those of our church family whom we now remember in silence. Keep us grateful for their witness. Give us a sure faith that we may without fear trust those who are dear to us to your never failing love. And then at the last, bring us with them into the inheritance you have promised in Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
Lord, we know that where our hearts are, there too is our treasure. Accept this offering as our effort to generously give so that we are building up treasure in heaven. Multiply these gifts, Lord, to provide and care for the least of these in our neighborhood and in our world. And use these gifts to plant seeds of hope as we reflect your love. All for your glory and honor, Lord, now and forever. Amen. Oh, Carol, I am so sorry. I would like to invite my friend yeah, Carol down. Today. Happy birthday, Carol. Thank you. I would like to invite her down with all the children. Please, Come on up here, you guys. I want to show you something. Did you ever have something that happened to you that made no sense whatsoever? Nothing. Come on, sit down. I want to show you this picture. I, um, I have a cat at home. This is Kitty. Okay, you see him? Maybe you guys have seen a picture of him before. And, and just before I left for church last week, Kitty, um, he likes to go outside. He's not really supposed to, but he likes to go outside. So right before I left for church, he dashed out the back door. And I tried to get him inside, but I couldn't get him in before I went to church. So I had to race here and get to church. And when I got home, I started looking for Kitty, make sure that he came in. The strangest thing, though, I would call out to him, kitty, 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 kitty. This is sort of our thing. And, and I could hear him go, meow, meow. But I couldn't see him anywhere. It was so weird. So I went, kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> and my neighbors think I'm a little crazy. But he would go, meow, meow. And he sounded scared. But I couldn't see him. One more time, I tried it. And I heard him. I heard him above, ahead of me. I looked up, and there he was, across the yard on the very tippy-tippy top of my neighbor's roof. Made no sense. I'm like, how'd you get up there? I walked all the way around the house. They have no trees. They have no bushes. They don't have a... I don't know how he got up there, but it made no sense. He was trapped, and he was scared, and I don't know why he went up there. Guess what? In kids' worship, we're learning about a man named Abraham, and his name wasn't always Abraham, it was Abram, until God changed his name. And God told Abraham some things just really didn't make any sense at all. He couldn't figure it out. So God told Abram to move away from his home, away from his people, take up everything he had, move to a far-off land. Okay, so back then, they didn't have, like, info, Google Maps or anything. So a far-off land that you don't know anything about is really kind of crazy and scary. So that was crazy, and he was a little sad about that. The next thing God told him is, he said, Abram, you will have as many people in your family as there are stars in the sky. Really? That's over like a million. That's crazy, right? How can that possibly happen? So, and the other thing that God told Abram is that he, someone in his family, he would bless Abram, and Abram, his blessings from Abram would bless the entire world. Always. That's a pretty big thing. I mean, I'm sure Abram's like, what's so special about me? Anyway, 
<clears throat> Abraham loved and trusted God, but he really thought, this is crazy, right? So God told him, listen, you're going to have a child. And even though Abram trusted and loved God, he said, he, he and his wife laughed at God, honestly. He said, how can I have a child? He was 99 years old. His wife was 90. Doesn't even seem possible. Well, guess what? Yeah, everything's possible with God, right? So it turned out that Abraham did have a child at the age of 100. He had a son, yes. And their family grew and grew. And you know what? His family grew to the number of stars there are in the sky, and it's still growing today. But most importantly, guys, God sent Jesus to be born on earth here through Abraham's family. Through Jesus, all the nations of the world are blessed. And isn't that amazing? So let's pray about that. Thank you, God, that you keep your promises. When things to us seem difficult or impossible, you show us the way. And if we listen to you, our lives will be blessed in ways we didn't even seem possible. Amen. birthday today. Birthdays all around, I'll tell you. Yeah. <clears throat> Having babies at 100. There's hope for all of us. <laughs> all right. So our passage this morning, as we return to our narrative lectionary, we took a week off last week to celebrate the Reformation. Today we are in 1 Kings chapter 19. We're entering into the season of the prophets uh, in these coming weeks as we prepare for the birth of Jesus. We uh, turn our attention to the great prophets of Israel as they uh, are bringing not only God's word to bear upon the people of Israel, but also they are speaking with great hope and expectation for what God might be up to in the future. So today we find ourselves in 1 Kings 19 and focusing on the prophet Elijah. Hear the word of God. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah was afraid, and he got up and fled for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat under a solitary broom tree, and he asked that he might die. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors." And then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. And he looked and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. 
The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. And then he went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to whore of the mount of God. And at that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice to him that said, what are you doing here, Elijah? This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your favor, O Lord, we pray that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I don't know about you, but there are certain times of the day that I prefer over other times of the day. There are certain readings on the clock that I look at with greater enthusiasm than other readings on the clock. For example, I like it when the clock reads 6 o'clock, morning or evening. I like 6 o'clock in the morning because I'm a morning kind of guy, and that's, the way, and that's when the day gets going for me, time to get out of bed and tackle the world or get tackled by the world. I like 6 o'clock in the evening because it's generally the end of the work day. Work is slowing down, time to pack up for the day, unless, of course, you have evening meetings. I like 9 o'clock because 9 o'clock in the morning means the world is fully awake and going about its business. I like line at 9 o'clock in the evening because I'm usually home by then, and that's when the world is starting to think about settling in for the night. I like 12 o'clock because 12 o'clock means either lunch or midnight, so I'm either feeding my face or hopefully dead asleep. But I'm not a big three o'clock guy. Three o'clock is not my favorite time of the day. If it's three o'clock in the afternoon, it means that lunch has been digested and despite how many cups of coffee I have drunk, I'm starting to feel drowsy and I kind of find myself trying to do anything I can to stay awake. All I want to do is curl up on the couch, but because I have this thing called a job, I typically don't, <laughs> typically. I do take some inspiration from the fact that Winston Churchill took a nap every afternoon during World War II and still managed to win the war. Of course, those naps were likely alcohol-induced, but we won't go there. <laughs> but my least favorite time on the clock is 3 a.m. I am not a big fan of 3 a.m. because if I'm looking at the clock at 3 a.m., it means that I'm awake and I want to be sleeping. 
And when I'm awake at 3 a.m., I'm often thinking. And when you're thinking at 3 a.m., you're thinking about a lot of things, right? Your brain sort of goes into hyperdrive. All the uncertainties of your life creep into your brain at 3 a.m. At 3 a.m., you think about what you have to do the next day. At 3 a.m., you wonder about your bank account. At 3 a.m., you wonder about the leak in your roof. At 3 a.m., you wonder about what the doctor told you the last time you saw her. At 3 a.m., you, you hear sounds in the house that you've never heard before. At 3 a.m., when you, th you start thinking about your children and what will become of them, at 3 a.m., you wonder, will Michigan ever beat Ohio State again? <laughs> at 3 a.m., you wonder when the bull market will cease being the bull market. At 3 a.m., you entertain doubts that you never entertained before. At 3 a.m., you are left alone with yourself, with your thoughts. Nobody at 3 a.m. to distract you from your thinking, your feeling, your worrying, your wondering. Now, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe you sleep like a rock every night, and that means I don't like you. <laughs> but if there should ever come a time when you do, in fact, wake in the middle of the night and you toss and turn, and your mind starts going a million miles a minute, it puts us, as it turns out, in pretty good biblical company. Lots of things happen in the middle of the night in the Bible. God, it turns out, does a lot of speaking in the middle of the night. Jacob has his famous dream in the middle of the night. Pharaoh has his dreams in the middle of the night. Samuel, as we learned a couple weeks ago, hears God's voice in the middle of the night. Joseph, Mary's betrothed, hears the angel speak to him in the middle of the night. The wise men are warned to go home another way in the middle of the night. Nicodemus has a conversation with Jesus in the middle of the night. As lonely and as anxious and as frustrating as 3 a.m. can be, sometimes, maybe most of the time, it is the middle of the night that gives us the greatest chance to hear the quiet whispers of God. Consider one Elijah, the great prophet of Israel. But in our story this morning, Elijah doesn't feel so great. What he feels is the burden of the world pressing on his shoulders. What he feels is that he's being chased by his enemy. What he feels is that he's all alone. What he feels is that maybe he and the world would be better off if he could somehow end it all here. He's tired, he's hungry, he's lonely, and he's losing hope. And he runs away. And when he can go no further, he collapses and falls asleep. And before he knows it, in the middle of the night, an angel is waking him and feeding him breakfast. And he gets up and he eats some breakfast. And he falls asleep again, and, and before he knows it, an angel comes again and wakes him and feeds him again. Get up, says the angel, and eat. Otherwise, the journey, the journey, Elijah, will be too much for you. That's all the angel says, just get up, eat, and let's keep moving. Let's put one foot in front of the other.
And Elijah gets up and puts one foot in front of the other and keeps moving for another 40 days and ends up on top of Mount Horeb in a cave. And there, the Bible says, he spent the night. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, Elijah wakens again with the worries of the world on his shoulders, fear and uncertainty of the future, commanding his thoughts. And it is in the middle of the night when he feels all alone. All alone. Now, this is the great prophet of God. This is the great prophet of God. Great prophets of God don't feel alone. They, they always know of the wonderful presence of God, right? They, they wake up at 3 a.m. and just turn over and fall asleep again. No worries. We could never be more mistaken. For if there is anything the Bible teaches us, if there's anything that church history teaches us, it is that the prophets and the saints are the ones who experience perhaps most the lonely and terrible nights of the soul. Following Mother Teresa's death, they found her diaries, this great woman of compassion and service to the poor, and so they expected to find in those diaries great testimonies to the presence and power of God. But what they found were years and years and years of worry and fear and the sense of the absence of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great martyr to the faith and leader of the Nazi resistance after months in a Nazi cell working hard to put on this outward appearance of calm and strength for the rest of the prisoners to see. But in the quiet of his cell, he writes that, quote, he's a hypocrite before others and before myself a contemptibly woebegone weakling. C.S. Lewis, after losing his wife, confesses to a long stretch of time when in the middle of the night he yearned to hear the voice of God and all he could hear was a door slammed in his face and the sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. The great prophets and saints experience what St. John of the Cross called the dark night of the soul. So what then are we to say about these things? Well, perhaps first, at 3 a.m. when your mind is racing and your fears are swirling and your worries are advancing, perhaps it's then that you can take great comfort in the fact that you are in the company of saints. You have joined the human race and you are experiencing what it means to be human. You are transversing the necessary steps of the spiritual journey. For what is faith unless it is preceded by and often joined by our fears and our doubts and our worries? In fact, it is in the middle of our fears and our doubts and our worries when we are perhaps most eager to hear the voice of God, when we are most desperate to feel the presence of God, if there is ever a time when we are apt to listen as a saint, it might be at 3 a.m. Because it's at 3 a.m. when the world is quiet enough, perhaps for us to hear the still, small voice, the still, small voice of God. It is at 3 a.m. when we are not checking our email or scrolling Facebook or making our laundry list or texting our friends. It is the sheer silence of 3 a.m. that we can have the presence of mind to listen. And what are we listening for? 
Well, maybe what we're most listening for is the still, small voice to remind us of all those times in the past when we were overwhelmed, when we were anxious, when we were doubtful, all those times when we wondered if we could just even go another step, that in those times, God was somehow present and somehow we did find the strength to get up and put one foot in front of the other. In other words, in those times, angels came. Angels came, whether we saw them or not, whether we felt them or not, whether we heard them or not. Angels came and they got us up and they fed us and they had us rest and they encouraged us to keep moving. That, that still small voice in the middle of the night is there to remind us that in the midst of the whirlwind of our thoughts and fears, somewhere close by, an angel hovers. John Claypool the great preacher tells of a time when his little daughter had been diagnosed with leukemia and after a brief remission had relapsed. It was an awful time from which his little girl did not recover. Claypool talks about one moment in the middle of the night sitting next to her hospital bed and he heard her ask, Dad, have you asked God when the leukemia will go away? And what did he say? What a terrible question for a father to have to answer. Talk about doubts and fear in the middle of the night. He told her that he had been asking God a lot, but that he hadn't heard the answer. Later, a friend asked, so Reverend, where was God that night? Good question, fair question. And the preacher said, you know where it says in the Bible, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. He said, you know, sometimes God's greatest strength comes in our greatest weakness. And for me, God was there that night just to get me up to put one foot in front of the other, not to fly with eagles, not to run without weariness, oh, but just to walk and not faint. That is where God was that night. And suddenly, in the middle of the night, an angel touched Elijah and said, get up and eat or else the journey will be too long for you. So the clock strikes three, and we are awake with ourselves, our thoughts, our worries, our fears. Well, welcome to the company of saints and the presence of angels. And there doesn't need to be an earthquake for God to speak. There doesn't need to be a gale of wind for God to speak. There doesn't need to be a burning fire for God to speak. Sometimes, maybe most of the time, there only needs to be a silence, a space for us to listen and to feel, the moment for us to know that even with all my thoughts, all my worries, all my doubts, that somewhere close by, there's an angel who will do more for me as much as he has done for me all my life. Enough strength for the day 
enough strength for the night, one foot in front of the other. Get up, Elijah, and eat and drink, for the journey will be too long for you if you do not do otherwise. So friends, we're all on this journey, and for some of us, the journey has been exhausting. For most of us, it causes us to wake up in the middle of the night for all of us, we wonder about the future. So each and every day, we do our best to get up and move on again. But today, we are grateful that we are invited to come to this table to commune with the angels and with our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who welcomes us into his fellowship, who strengthens us with bread and wine, reminds us that we are never alone, that we are in the company of the saints, and that we take our journey in faithfulness, knowing that God is with us one step at a time. So come, my friends, to this table, eat and drink, or else the journey will be too long for you, and know that God is with you. Hear the words, the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received with the Lord that which also I delivered unto you that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again. And he will come again. Let us pray. We are grateful, O Lord, 
that you loved us enough to give your life for us on the cross. That you can say that you have been with us in every human experience, in life and in death. We thank you, O Lord, that we can trust you as our shepherd, that you walk alongside of us, guiding us along the way, and that you prepare for us a table to sustain us for the journey. So Lord, allow these common elements of bread and cup to become for us the feast of the kingdom, the gifts of grace and mercy, that we may be sustained once again so that we may be about the journey you have in store for us, all for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, our Lord took the cup.
Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who believe in me shall never hunger. Those who come to me shall never thirst. Those who come to me, I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Gracious God, we truly are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. At this table, we are united, one body, with you and your Son and the Holy Spirit. We are humbled and filled with joy at your faithfulness, compassion, and unending love. May this sacred meal that is so generously given to each one of us renew and strengthen us to love you and our neighbor each and every day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.